Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Yukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Hey everybody, my name is Mike and I serve as the lead pastor here at Active Church and I'm so glad that you're joining us for week three of a series called Hope in the City. And in this series, we've been working to identify when hope is winning in you and around you and when hope is winning in the city. And when we talk about hope, we're not talking about the hope that crosses its fingers or the hope that wishes upon a star. When we talk about hope, we're talking about placing the weight of your life, the confidence that you have in the hands of of Jesus. When we talk about hope, we're talking about how hope helps to make sense of things that at first don't make sense. And when we talk about hope today, we're talking about how hope can lead you home. And home is good because hope is good. And hope allows you to see what is good and to experience what is good. Now, here's what you and I have in common with most people. We all ascribe to some sort of standard of good. Now, we might disagree with some of the details of that, but I think all of us, I know all of us, ascribe to some sort of standard of good. We know that it's good to serve. We know that it's good to love. We know that it's good to give. We all ascribe to some sort of standard of good. But here's the irony in that. You and I will hold ourselves accountable to that standard occasionally. But when it comes to the people in our lives, we will hold them to the standard of good always. And here's why. Because we don't want to be mistreated. And so even if we have moments where we lie, we don't want someone to lie to us. And even if we have moments where we manipulate, we don't want someone to manipulate us. And when we have moments where maybe we cheat a little bit, we don't want someone to cheat a little bit with us. The truth is that we will hold ourselves to the standard occasionally, and we will hold the people around us to this good standard always. But what we recognize is that even if we don't always hold ourselves to it, there is a standard of good. And this is why the arrival of Jesus is such good news. Because Christmas is God's announcement that this good standard that we recognize is actually something that comes from within us. It's something that God has written on your heart and on my heart. And Jesus came to help us understand this good this good standard. And not just understand it, but to live by it. In fact, when Jesus was first born, when he was first announced, it was announced as good news of great joy for all people, for you and for me. And it was such good news that it caught the attention of everybody. And they leaned in because isn't it true? When you hear something that sounds good, you want it to be true, you'll go searching for it. Luke, who wrote uh, the letter of Luke in the New Testament, the story of Jesus, and he wrote about the story of Christmas. He actually mentions how many people were searching after Jesus and what happened when they heard this good news of great joy for all people. Here's his words. He said, everyone is forcing their way into it. Everybody wanted to know about Jesus because it was good. And then because it was good, they knew it was true. 
And here's the thing I want you to know, and, and, and I think this is important for us to talk about. If the life and message of Jesus is not good news of great joy for all people, for you, then perhaps you haven't heard the good news. Or someone has manipulated the good news. Someone has mistreated you with the good news. And I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're watching. I'm glad that you're listening because it is good news of great joy for all of the people. This story is compelling and it's worth telling. It's why Luke says that many people endeavored to write about this story, including Luke. And the reason why it's good news is because often you and I, we don't live so good, do we? We live in a not so good world and sometimes our choices are not so good. And what the gospel of Jesus announces is how you and I can move from a not so good life to a life that's filled with good news of great joy for all people. Luke actually writes about this in his letter in the New Testament, in the pages and documents that we call the Bible. And he writes about this moment a few years after the Christmas story, but it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the Christmas story. Luke introduces us to a man named Peter. Peter is somebody that's pretty well known, even if you're not a Christian or a church person, you perhaps have heard of Peter. And the story that he tells us is found in Luke chapter five. And so if you have a Bible or the Bible app with you, I wanna invite you to follow along. And if you're watching this, you'll see the verses on the screen. But as you're turning there, let me set up the scene for you. Particularly, let me, I wanna talk about Peter. Peter was actually a good man. He was a businessman and his business was fishing. He was a fisherman and he was a good steward with his resources. He was great with his employees. And Luke tells us about this moment where Peter goes from a not so good life to a life that recognizes and receives the good news of great joy for all people that Jesus brings. The letter again is Luke and we're going to be in chapter five, starting in verse one. And here's what Luke tells us about that story. One day, Jesus was standing at the lake of Genesaret with the people crowding around him. It was pre-COVID, by the way. And they were listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, also called Peter, and asked him to push away from the shore just a little bit. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, move the boats into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Luke tells us that Jesus is teaching. Peter is finishing his work day along with other fishermen. He's cleaning his nets. He's listening to Jesus, cleaning his nets. He's listening to Jesus and back to cleaning his nets. And he finishes up. And when Jesus finishes teaching, he says, hey, Peter, let's go fishing again. And Peter wrestles with this because you don't go fishing at the time that Jesus wants them to go fishing. He's worked all night. He's tired. He wants to go home. Some historians have taught us that Peter actually had a family, so he missed his wife, he missed his family, and he wanted to go home. He wrestles with this moment, but Jesus insists. And Peter responds, well, since it's you, let's go fishing. And they do. And there's this implication in this story that isn't mentioned, but we can kind of infer it as we read through it, that perhaps they didn't have a very good night of fishing. And so Peter's hesitant to go back out because the fishing's bad. When they get back in the boat with Jesus, they catch so much fish that it actually begins to sink the boat. And Peter has this extraordinary realization in this moment. 
It's powerful and it's life-changing. And when this happens, when they catch all of this fish, he looks at Jesus and Luke tells us this. When Simon Peter saw this, all this fish, he fell at Jesus' knee and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Jesus, in, in your presence, I recognize that I'm not okay. And I need you to go away so I can feel okay about myself again. I thought I was fine or at least assumed that I was fine until you showed up. And now I'm realizing that I am not so good. And here's the thing I don't want you to miss. Even in those moments where we're not so good, we feel like we're not so bad until we interact with Jesus. And then suddenly we're overwhelmed. Suddenly we feel convicted. Suddenly maybe we feel ashamed or embarrassed. It might be the reason why you've stayed away from church for as long as you have. Because you feel like you are just so bad and God is just so good. And what would he want to do with you? Maybe somebody who's a Christian treated you that way or communicated the message of Jesus to you in that way. And that's why you've stayed away. And this is why Peter says, Jesus, go away from me. I'm a sinful man and I felt okay about myself. Now that you're here, I'm realizing that I am not okay. But here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't go away. He doesn't embarrass Peter or shame Peter or dismiss Peter or condemn Peter. In fact, he shares some good news with Peter. He says these words in verse 10. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. He could have said, that's true, Peter. You are not okay. He could have said, yeah, I'm embarrassed by you. Yeah, I'm here to condemn you. Or yeah, your greatest sin is going to be in your future when you deny me three times. But he didn't do that. The words of Jesus to Peter were, Peter, I have good news of great joy for you. And I am inviting you to follow me. And I'm inviting you not just to follow me, but actually I'm inviting you into a very good purpose. Why you were created. See, you were a fisherman catching fish. And now you're going to tell the story of God and it's going to capture the hearts of men and women. And we're going to build the kingdom of God together, Peter. And it's a kingdom of love and salvation and freedom and forgiveness. It's a kingdom that will tell a better story. And that's why this next line that Luke writes makes sense in light of this story. Peter hears this from Jesus and it says, So they left everything and followed him. This was the beginning of the better story for Peter. But friends, here's what I don't want you to miss. What makes the good news so good is that we aren't so good. And that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to crush. He didn't come to dismiss. He came to rescue and save because we are not so good. And we know this because we hold ourselves to the good standard occasionally, don't we? We have to be honest about our posture in life, about our position in life. We have to be honest with where our hearts are at and are falling short. And the decisions that we've made that are not so good, we got to be honest and realize that they're not mistakes, are they? It's a mistake to misdial. It's a mistake to misadd. 
It's a mistake when you send something that actually you shouldn't have sent. (laughs) Here's what I mean by that. My wife this week, she ordered a cute Christmas decoration for our family. And it was supposed to say at the top, the Frisch Bunch. Have some gingerbread men across the middle of it. And then each of the names of my kids and my wife and me. And it was going to be this cute little decoration that she was going to hang up in our house. And then we received this. Now, if you can't see this or read this, the very top says the Preston Bunch. We're the Frisches. <laughs> We're not the Prestons. <laughs> and and my daughter is Riley, not Kylie. My wife actually showed this to me and I'm like, what is this about? And she said, this is what they sent me. And she showed me what she wrote down and she wrote down that we're the Frishes and that my daughter is Riley, not Kylie. And so she sent a photo of this back to the organization that created it. And the leader of that organization said, oh my gosh, we have made a huge mistake. Because it was. This wasn't on purpose. Although if it was, it's kind of funny. The last name Preston is kind of cool, right? Like that's my Hollywood name or my soap opera name, Michael Preston. But it was a mistake. But most of the things that you and I do, we do them on purpose. We plan to do them. Because we're not mistakers, are we? We are sinners. And that's why we need the hope of Jesus that's found in the story of Christmas. Paul actually writes about this. Paul was one of the most famous Christians of all time. He actually writes about what we're talking about. He writes about how he lived a good life. And then he came face to face, eyeball to eyeball with Jesus. And he changed his label from good to chief of sinners. Like he's the worst of sinners. And the reason why is because he interacted with Jesus. God in a body. And he realized who Jesus is and he realized who he was and that Jesus was so good and he was not so good. But what caused him to pause was that Jesus invited him to follow him. He didn't condemn him or crush him or dismiss him. He realized that his sin and his past was not going to determine his present and future because of Jesus. In fact, here's what Paul wrote in response to that moment. He said that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the playing field is level. Nobody's more special, nobody's better, nobody's more good than another person. Because the standard of good, it's kind of ambiguous. We'll hold ourselves to it occasionally and we'll hold others to it always. And they will do that to us. But what he recognizes is that Jesus is for everybody and everybody has fallen short and Jesus has come for everybody to rescue everybody because this is good news of great joy for all people. Friends, the reason why Peter fell at the knee of Jesus, the reason why Paul writes that he is falling short, that you and I are falling short is because they got a glimpse of who God is. And they recognize that their good doesn't even compare to the goodness of God. And then what was fascinating is that God wasn't mad at them. God loved them. He didn't crush them because they didn't meet the standard. God actually, through the person and work of Jesus, helps us to move from a not-so-good life to a life that's good. And here's what's so important. When God brings forgiveness to you and me through Jesus... He doesn't ignore our sins. He doesn't ignore the things that we've done. He doesn't say, ah, it's okay, let's just move forward. What he does 
is he forgives us. And then like Peter, he says, now I want you to be a fisher of men. I want you to tell the story of God. I want you to begin to move forward and tell a better story. God doesn't say, ah, no big deal. God says, no, it's a big deal. That's why I came. That's why Jesus came and died and rose again. That's why the Christmas story is so significant. Paul actually gave good words to that. He said this, all are justified freely by his grace, him being Jesus, through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. The word justified literally means that you and I are right, not because of the right things we've done or the good things we've done, not because we read the Bible right or pray right or behave right, but because God is right and God is good and he has made us right through Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. You and I, we have a lot in common, but the one thing that we have in common, according to what we read in this story, is we've all fallen short and we've all been invited to embrace the same solution, the hope that's found in Jesus. And that hope changes your life. That hope is good. Friends, that hope leads you home. Home to your creator, to the God who loves you, to the God who knows you best and believes in you most. Home where God dwells. Home, the place where God works. Home, not because of anything that you've done, not because of your good work, but because of the good work of God. Home is a place to belong. It's a place where you are called a son or a daughter of the king. Home is where God announces good news of great joy for all people. Ruth Graham is the daughter of Billy Graham, who is a world-famous evangelist. Ruth, at Billy's funeral, got to tell a story about her dad. And she was grateful to tell the story because she said her dad modeled this very idea in her life at a painful time in her life. Ruth was planning on getting married and her family, including her mom and dad, gave her some wisdom that this guy that you're about to marry, man, there's something unsettling about him. We're not sure what it is, but there's something unsettling. And Ruth took that information and she dismissed it. She said, according to her, that she was going to do what she wanted to do. And so she got married to this man. And then Ruth, at the funeral, tells this story. Within 24 hours, she knew that she made a mistake. And within five weeks, she left her new husband. And she didn't know what to do. She felt shame. She felt regret. She felt embarrassment. In fact, at the funeral, she says, Daughters, you never want to embarrass your dad. But as the daughter of Billy Graham, you never want to embarrass Billy Graham, do you? And so she had a question to wrestle with. What am I going to do? She found herself having to leave her home and go home to her mom and her dad's house. And she had heard her dad for years preach, teach, and share about Jesus and the story of Christmas, good news of great joy for all people, and how hope leads you home. And she was wondering if that was still going to be true for her. And she pulled into her parents' driveway. And standing in the driveway was her father. 
And she didn't know what to anticipate or what to expect. But there was Billy. So she put the car in park, she turned off the engine, and she got out with tears in her eyes. And she said that my dad walked around the car. He threw his hands out. And he said two words. Welcome home. It didn't mean that what she had done was completely washed away, that he didn't care. It didn't mean that there wasn't going to be some heavy lifting and some hard work and some restoration and gaining of trust and better choices and better stories. But all of that was available because her dad, Billy Graham, said, Welcome home. Friends, this is what God has done for you through the person and work of Jesus. This is the hope that you and I can have at Christmas time. It's good news of great joy for you, me, all people. It's a hope that leads you home. And maybe this Christmas season, you need to come home. Maybe you need to make a decision to say yes to Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, yes, I believe in you. Jesus, yes, I trust you. Jesus, yes, I believe that you've forgiven me and you've died on a cross for me and you rose from the grave for me. Jesus, I say yes to you today. If that's you, in your own heart, in your own mind, maybe in wherever you're at, you could say it out loud. Jesus, I say yes to you. Say that with me. Jesus, I say yes to you. Because that's where hope is found. And that kind of hope, it leads you home. If you want to say yes or have said yes to Jesus today, I want to invite you to let us know. You can text I said yes to the number that you see on the screen. I said yes, all one word, to the number that you see on the screen, or you can place that in the comments and our team would love to reach out and connect with you. The second thing that you can do to say yes is you can say yes to the hope found in Jesus by inviting someone to come home. Christmas Eve is just a couple of days away. And I want to invite you to invite someone to come and sit with you. Our Christmas Eve services are at 2, 4, and 6 p.m. in person. Or if you're going to watch online, invite someone to watch with you at 3 p.m. on Christmas Day. Because hope is essential. Hope is needed. Hope is good. And hope found in Jesus leads you and leads me home. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the story of Christmas. And thank you for the person of Jesus. And thank you that we have hope that doesn't forget about us or crush us, but it leads us home. And so I pray that we would come home. We would say yes to you. We would follow you and trust you. God, thank you for sending Jesus so that we can find hope and live in hope. Tell a better story. And it's in his name that we pray all of these things and everybody said, amen and amen and amen. This weight is creeping
Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. 
Hey, I wanna ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I wanna invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to at Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.